This episode lives in the Dylan FM archives, and what you're about to hear is a 15-minute teaser edition. To hear the full show and every complete show in our archives, become an FM Plus subscriber. You can sign up in the Apple Podcast app or at fmpods.com. Get more details in the show notes. As a subscriber, you'll get access to over 400 episodes from this and other shows in the FM Pods network. And you'll be helping to make these shows possible. This is Dylan FM, the podcast that goes deep into the work and world of Bob Dylan. If you love Dylan, you're in the right place with your host, Craig Danuloff. And the album of the year is Time Out of Mind. Mark Howard was in the room, hands on the dials, for every second of the recording and production of Time Out of Mind. Working as a recording engineer for Daniel Lenoir, Dylan called Mark out and thanked him when they won the Grammy for the best album in 1998. Daniel Lenoir, who helped produce this, and Mark Howard, can't forget that, we got a uh, particular type of sound on this record, which you don't get every day. And Daniel Lenoir called Mark out as well. Mark Howard, you get a piece of this. Thank you. Mark has had an amazing career as a musician, producer, and engineer, working with artists such as Joni Mitchell, Neil Young, Tom Waits, Johnny Cash, Emmylou Harris, and of course, Bob Dylan, plus many more. I'll put a link to his all-music page in the show notes where you can peruse the hundreds of top artists that he's worked with. Mark first worked with Dylan as an engineer on Oh Mercy and was working with Lenoir in his Teatro studio in Oxnard, California, when Dylan came by in a process that led to Time Out of Mind. You'll hear about that initial visit and the process in today's episode. Mark explains how the unique sound of Time Out of Mind was achieved, shares more about the tension between Dylan and Lenoir, tells us about the versions and recordings we haven't heard, and how the album almost got set aside and never heard at all. It's a fascinating dive into first-party details on the making of this great album. Mark wrote a book about all of his studio experiences called Listen Up. You can find a link to the book in the show notes and on our website. He has a new book of photography coming out this November featuring photographs taken inside all of those amazing studios with all of those incredible musicians, including Bob Dylan. We'll hear a little bit about that book in this conversation. I'm joined in this discussion with Mark Howard by music industry veteran Randy Sawson. So you'll hear three voices during the interview. Now let's talk with Time Out of Mind engineer, Mark Howard. We got a call and saying Bob's interested in having us mix a live show he did in Atlanta for the Olympics. And it was for like a Japanese release. And so they, he just wanted to have this thing mixed. And so he came in while we, while we were mixing it and, um, I'd finished mixing it and very at the very end of that mix, he says, uh, do, you, do you think you could make the, the harmonica sound electric? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. So I, I took his the harmonica sound off and I ran it through a little uh, Ibanez distortion pedal and then into a little guitar amp. And uh, so, I, so I, I put it in there. And so it, the, the harp sounded really cool the way he wanted it. But right after the harp finished, 
his voice came out of that amp and he loved it. He goes, that's, that's great. I want to do that on all the tracks. And so, so it's, this was the beginning of what was called the vocal amp. So, you know, I'd have the regular vocal on a channel and then I'd have the vocal amp on a channel. And so I, you know, as I was mixing it, he goes, well, what's the percentage of the vocal amp to the clean vocal? And I said, well, it's about 60, 40. He goes, make it 50, 50. And so uh, it was pretty messed up sounding. I'll tell you, it sounded really distorted and, and really messed up. So yeah, so that that that's how uh, uh, um, Time Out of Mind kind of started off uh, by mixing this live uh, Atlantic Atlantic mix. It was the Olympics, and they played the House of Blues or something like that, and so um, so they sent it to me, and I mixed it, and so then Lanois and him started talking about songs and stuff like that, and Bob says, yeah, yeah, and so. Dan said, you know, I'll just come on over and, and let us hear some. So Bob would come over, drive up in his pickup truck all by himself, no bodyguard or anything. And, you know, Oxnard is like a very, it's like a Mexican town. It's like you feel like you're in Mexico. There's the pawn shop. Everybody's Mexican there. And uh, once once we dug into it, um, he said he'd come up. And, and so he says, yeah, I have this one song. He'd go on the piano and he'd play this thing and Dan goes, well, that's, that's nice, but um, I need to hear a vocal. And Bob didn't say anything. And so the next day, as still as we're mixing the thing, he goes, I, I got another one. And so he goes over to the piano again and he plays another thing. And Dan says, that sounds beautiful, but you know, I, I need to hear a lyric, you know, some kind of, and so, Still nothing. And so the next day we had brought in this uh, friend of ours from New York, Tony Mangurian, who is like a hip hop drummer. And he had made some records with uh, Luscious Jackson, this girl group. And Dan had produced, uh, co-produced it with, with Tony. So Tony was hanging out. And so the next day Bob comes in, Tony's there. And so we were thought, you know, we maybe try some loop stuff because Bob said he was interested in making a record, but he likes this kid called Beck and he wants his record to sound like this kid Beck. So we brought in Tony because he's this hip hop guy and he can play hip hop drums and stuff like that. So Bob gets on the piano and I've got everything mic'd in the studio. So anywhere you go, I just pop it and record and you're recording it. And so Bob starts playing uh, on the piano. I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, like it's this is the that track can't wait. And so Tony starts playing this hip hop beat against it. And it's amazing, you know, like this kind of like almost gospel thing with this hip hop vibe with with him, you know, you know, muttering these words out. And so I recorded it and uh, he'd sang a verse and he'd sang a chorus. And so he left that day and I just took that and I cut that into an arrangement of a song just using that part of it. And so it was, it was incredible, you know, and, you know, it was like one of those moments where your hair goes up and, you know, I think, wow, that's, that's the shit right there. And so that was the plan. We were going to make the record there. And, and then suddenly, you know, we get a call from Bob saying, you know, look, I can't make the record here. It's too close to home. And uh, I want to go to Miami. I'm like, oh boy, Miami. 
So we started looking for places in Miami and we ended up going to Criteria. And, you know, at, at the Teatro, everything's set up. You get great sounds in there. The piano, it was a Steinway piano. Everything was so beautiful. And anything you just touched sounded incredible. We go to Miami. I pack up the same microphones, the same. I brought some uh, Neve BCM 10 consoles. So I'm using all the same stuff. But when we get to Miami, it's criteria. And they got this big room. It's very spitty. It's like all plaster. It's used. They use it for um, videos and stuff like that. So all the walls got curves and it sounds terrible in there. And I'm struggling to, to really get a good, a good sound in there. And so as those sessions started, um, you know, Bob had a list of people he wanted to have in. And so, and he, so he wanted all of these Nashville people and Dan doesn't like Nashville people, strummers and all that stuff. So, you know, we got Bob Britt, we got Cindy Cash Dollar, we got like all of these like Nashville, you know, strummers. And so uh, that that turned into a bit of a nightmare because there's like suddenly there's 15 people in the room and and it's like a, a mess and it just sounds like horrible. And every every take we do, Bob changes the key, which means like you sing, you got to like, if you're a musician and you've got to change the key, it's like relearning the whole song. Bob can just change the key and just play the song. But for other people, it's very complicated to kind of get it. Uh, you know, so suddenly this one's in C and the next one's in D, you know, like they're completely different and there's a lot of different stuff. So everybody was hitting bum notes and, and it was just, just sounding the worst you ever thought it could sound. And so the band would come in, and Lamar goes, it's sounding so junky. If you don't know the chord, don't play it. You know, like it's like flipping out on everybody. Lamar was getting frustrated because it was just, it, it wasn't gelling. And then, you know, we were trying to, we had cut the song Can't Wait, but Bob wouldn't play piano because I think he felt intimidated because Augie, Mars, Mar, uh, Augie was there and so was Jim Dickinson. So Jim ended up playing piano, but it wasn't the same feel and it didn't have the right thing. So, so Dan wasn't satisfied with it. And so we cut it. And so every day Dan would work the band up. And so Bob would walk in at four. The total time in Miami was about a month. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I did about a month in there. You know, when I first arrived, you know, I didn't like the studio. I didn't like the way it sound sounded. So I started looking into we called the BJ BGs to see if we could use their studio and they didn't want us in their studio. So uh, I thought I was going to rent this uh, Masonic temple and just bring the gear in there. We make it in this beautiful Masonic temple and we couldn't get that to work. And so we ended up staying there and uh, like the great room at, at a criteria where um Eric Clapton did Ocean Boulevard and Almond Brothers and all those great records. Well, that room now is their tape vault. Like it's not the, the same studio. It's like they they've got all this shit in there and that's the best sounding room they got. And it's full of junk. And so we ended up having to work in that room and I had to make it work. And uh, I had actually made a, um, a little apartment 
uh, for Bob with kind of these gobos and put a lamp in there for him. And he had his vocal lamp in there, you know, little tables and stuff. So he was kind of like in the back, back of the room. And then Keltner and Brian Blade were in front of him facing him. And then everybody was all scattered around. That's kind of like how Bob would work where he wouldn't wear headphones in the room, but um, uh, he would only listen to the vocal amp. So there was like, if he wanted to change a word or something, like we recorded that song Highlands and it's 17 minutes long. So for him to fix some words he wanted to change, you know, like this is in the day that I'm on a, a tape recorder and I'm, uh, it's you got to take numbers all the time. Like, you know, where here's the verse that starts at a minute 10. The second verse is, you know, uh, to 150 or whatever. So I would take numbers as I would go down and then just write the very first word and last word of each line. Because I it was too, he was singing so fast. So I, I had to like kind of block it all in. So because he wouldn't wear headphones and he was just singing to the vocal amp. So it made it difficult for me to punch in words. So I had to recreate. Thanks for listening to this part of this episode. We hope you'll consider becoming an FM plus subscriber to hear the full version of this and all of our shows. Sign up in the Apple podcast app or at fmpods.com.